to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. Okay, uh, we are continuing our sermon series, uh, Missioner God 2. Uh, so this is the third, third sermon in this series. Uh, and the title of my message this morning is Right in My Own Eyes. Right in My Own Eyes. Uh, and we're, we're going through the uh, overview of the book of Judges. Okay, overview of the book of Judges. Uh, maybe some of you have heard as you mingle with your friends and your uh, loved ones, colleagues. Uh, have you heard of this phrase, you know, there is no absolute truth. Have you all heard of that? Have not. Your friends got saying, oh, there's no absolute truth. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Correct or not? What you believe applies to you, but it has nothing to do with me. So keep your belief to yourself. Have or not? Have you all heard that? So it's quite common nowadays uh, for, for these kind of uh, phrases to come out. And that is the prevalent worldview uh, of the world we live in. Uh. Okay? Uh, but then they, they, when you ask them, well, if there's no absolute truth, one plus one equal what? Or oh, they cannot answer you. Or uh, you ask them, oh, no absolute truth means, uh, you know, H2O is what? Uh, they also cannot answer you. Uh, if it's true for me but not true for you, let's say both of us jump down. Do you think uh, if I believe I will die, you believe you won't die? When you jump, will you die? We will both die, right? Because the truth will apply to everyone. doesn't matter. Gravity applies to everyone. Uh, and people nowadays, uh, they don't like uh, sharing of your own views, uh, your, your, they are intolerant. Okay, so for example, uh, they will say you are a religious bigot. Okay, they, 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 uh, they don't want you to share your own religious views on social media. Uh, so for example, if somebody goes and say, oh, I believe homosexual lifestyle is wrong on social media, what happened to this person? Do you know what happened? Cancer. Cancer. You are dead, they will stop you. But they can, they can share their own views uh, on social media, but not you. So they say uh, they, are, uh, they are intolerant of people who are uh, narrow view, not realizing that they themselves have a very narrow view because they are only applying their own worldview. So this thinking is what we call um, postmodernity or postmodernism. I'm not sure whether you have heard of this. Postmodernism means um, uh, subjective truth prevails over objective truth. Uh, so in the 19th century, uh, during the Enlightenment, everything is by reasoning. If you do A, B, and C, you will get this. But people were reacting to this truth because uh, they find that their parents, you know, they work so hard, uh, they, go to, they, they, they go to the factory, they work, uh, they look at science, and science was not able to give them the answers to the meaning of life. The satisfaction they were looking for uh, was not given by science. That's why there is a, there is a, a, a movement, a sexual revolution, uh, where people begin to explore liberalism. They begin to say, ah, this, all this science logic, it doesn't help me. So I want to go into new age. Okay, uh, everything is up to me. They are against religious institution, uh, any kind of um, ideology of changing the world, they no longer believe. They believe in themselves. What uh, I believe is correct, is correct. So this ideology uh, is captured uh, in different people. Okay, uh, this guy is a philosopher, a uh, Filipino philosopher. Uh, he summarizes as this, uh, postmodernism is a reaction to modernity, where modernism was about objectivity, postmodernism is about subjectivity. Where, post, uh, where modernism seek a singular truth, postmodernism sought the multiplicity of truths. Okay, so they basically summarize, you know, everybody have their own truth. Don't impose your truth on me. Uh, whatever I believe is correct. Alright? Uh, and uh, uh, another uh, very famous philosopher, uh, he, is, he is the eighth most cynical philosopher of science. He says the only absolute truth is that there is no absolute truth. Okay, uh, take note, he's making an absolute statement. Uh. Okay? <laughs> Okay, and uh, uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche is the, is the person who made famous the phrase, God is dead. Okay, uh, and from his book, uh, 
the gay science 130 years ago, he wrote, there's no eternal facts as there are no absolute truths. Okay, so uh, it's very prevalent uh, in, in the thinking of today. If you talk to the Gen Z, it'll be worse. Okay, so uh, don't, don't impose your own views on me. You know, what I think is correct is correct. Uh, so it's much harder, actually, to share the gospel uh, among the younger generation. Uh, Dalai Lama, uh, he himself is very pluralistic. That's why he's very popular. Uh, he says, uh, that should be pluralism, the concept of many religions, many truths. But we must be careful not to become nihilistic. Nihilistic, nihilistic means the rejection of religion or moral principles. Ah. Okay, so he says, it doesn't matter. You know, it's a buffet. You can choose whatever you want. Uh, okay, so uh, this, this postmodernity also gave rise to what we call secularism. Secularism means keep your faith uh, outside of the public arena. You can have private faith in your own room, own house, but never, never share your faith outside because it's taboo. Okay, so uh, in government policies, uh, it, it is not politically correct to bring up your own religious beliefs, but it's okay to bring up your own uh, secular uh, beliefs. So it's not a very fair playing ground uh, in the secular realm. Uh, and Richard Dawkins actually, uh, he, tried to, he tried to say that, no, it is quite fair. He says uh, secularism categorically say not, secularism is categorically not saying that the religious may not speak out publicly or have a say in public life. It is about saying that religion alone should not confer a privileged say in public life or greater influence on it. It's really as simple as that. Okay, so he, uh, he's saying, no, no, we are not trying to marginalize the uh, religious. But in actual fact, uh, religious symbols are being taken away more and more from the people. And if you try to use uh, religious argument in politics or in policy, uh, you get a backlash. So that's not what really is happening uh, in the world. And we have to be uh, aware uh, because we cannot uh, be cowards when it's time for us to speak up in the public realm. Uh, we cannot be um, overcome by all this worldview that is subtly pressing on us and we don't dare to say anything even though we believe it's wrong. All right, and uh, Asis Pro, a Christian theologian, uh, I think he got it. Uh, he got it right. He says, in the culture of pluralism, the only thing that cannot be tolerated is a claim to exclusivity. He's right. Okay, so it is very offensive when... Uh, in Christianity, we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is highly offensive. Okay? Uh, and that's why the world hates Christianity. Because it's one of the religions that makes this exclusive claim that the truth is the truth. Uh, and we don't budge on the truth. And, and, and that's why it is something that is not just... Um, Christianity is now not just tolerated, it is hated. Okay, so the world hates us, antagonistic towards uh, Christianity. Okay? Um, so for us, we are, um, a pluralism happens. Okay, in the West, remember that uh, Christianity used to be the dominant religion. Okay, everything they do, they all believe in the Bible. Uh, so pluralism was something very new to them. Uh, they begin to accept uh, pluralism, different religion. But for us in the East, We've always been surrounded by many, many different religions. So we were definitely more pluralistic than the West. Uh, but even today, uh, with the influence of the West, we have become less tolerant okay, of, of different religions sharing their own views. So we have become more and more like the West, where we don't accept religious views in the public square. So today, uh, uh, in the... Uh, the prevailing view, uh, view, if I can summarize today, uh, is this phrase, uh, I am the king of my own life. Okay? I decide what is right in my life. Okay? So that's the prevailing phrase. Okay? Uh, you watch children's show, la, different kind of show, right? They say, I pursue my own dreams, I go after my own dreams, I follow my own heart. So that's the prevailing view. I am the king of my own life, I decide what is right in my own life. Okay? But does this phrase sound familiar? Sound familiar or not? 
I am right in my own views. I am right in my own life. It doesn't sound familiar. Have you all heard this phrase before? Have, right? Where? Have you heard this phrase before? I do what is right in my own eyes. Okay, people are using that now, but actually this phrase uh, was coined in 2000, uh, no, 1000 BC, before Christ, uh, in the book of Judges. Okay, so it's nothing new. Huh? It's nothing new. In the book of Judges, it, that, that, that was the prevailing view. Okay, so in, uh, um, uh, in the book of Judges, this is the prevailing view. view. Uh, it happens in the book of Judges. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So postmodernity is nothing new. Uh. Uh, a really long time ago, we invented it already. Okay? Uh, so it's nothing new. Uh, we just have a, you know, like fashion, it recycles after a few decades. Uh, so so that, that's what's happening in the book of Judges. So remember, in my last sermon, we have finished uh, the book of Joshua. Okay, so uh, Joshua basically conquered most of the promised land, Canaan. Okay, so his, uh, his death is recorded at the end of Joshua, the beginning of Judges. His death is recorded and um, there is no clear successor after Joshua. Not like Moses, clear successor, Joshua. After Joshua, there was no clear successor. Every tribe has its own leader. Every tribe takes care of its own business. So there was no national leader, so to speak. And the book of Judges basically records how um, the nation of Israel fell into decadence because there was no national leader. Everybody began to do what is right in their own eyes. So uh, that, that's what the book of Judges uh, is all about. Okay? So the big idea for us uh, this, this morning is we want to learn from the book of Judges how God can redeem and use us no matter how far we have strayed from Him. Okay? God can redeem and use us no matter how far we have strayed from Him. So that's what we can learn from the book uh, of Judges. Okay? Uh, two weeks later, I'm going on roof. Uh, so if you are interested, read roof in advance. All right? uh, Judges is a bit long. Uh. Okay? So uh, in the book of Judges, the first thing we learn is that no matter how far you stray away from God, God always provides a way for us to be reconciled to Him. Okay? So when, uh, when, uh, when uh, uh, Joshua died, if you look at this map, oops. if you look at this map, uh, when Joshua died, all the black dots are those that are conquered during Joshua's time. So what remains is the red ones. Okay, the red ones are, are still not conquered yet. So the instruction to the nation of Israel is, after Joshua died, is you need to, each tribe, go and conquer the ones that are still in red. Okay? You need to do that. You need to drive out all the Canaanites. Don't leave them around. Okay? Uh, if you leave them around, uh, they're going to cause problems. Okay? But because there's no national leadership, uh, even though Joshua conquered the big green part, uh, they are not successful in taking the red dots. So what happens is, uh, they begin to tell um, the different tribes, uh, like uh, different tribes that, that fail to do it. So like Man Manasseh, Manasseh is one of the tribes, uh, did not drive out the inhabitants of Belshan and its villages, or Tanech and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Ibian and its villages, and the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. For the Canaanites, persisted in dwelling in the land. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. Okay? So uh, the tribes like Ephraim, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, then all didn't drive out uh, the remaining Canaanites. Instead, what they do? Uh, they say, okay, never mind, compromise. You can't be our slave. Instead of killing them, uh, wiping them out, they became the slave. Okay, uh, so they didn't completely wipe them out. And because they did that, uh, what happened? The angel of the Lord came and said to them, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you 
and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? Okay, so now uh, I, I, will, I say I will, not, I will not drive them out before you, but you, they shall become thorns on your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. So he said, because you didn't drive them out, they're now going to be a thorns in your side. They will be the enemy that will wipe you out. They will be the enemy that will influence you in your faith. Okay, and um, uh, God is going to use the Canaanites to oppress the Israelites okay, because they didn't drive them out. Uh, and because they didn't drive them out, actually the people of Israel began to worship Baal. It says here, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. He sold them into the land of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies and they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. So it is true, if you keep them as slaves, the Canaanites began to influence the faith of the Israelites. They began to worship uh, Baal. Baal is a fertility god that is supposed to bless them in their crops, their livestock. Okay, so they began to bow down to them, and the Lord's anger uh, was aroused. Uh, he began to use the Canaanites to oppress and conquer the Israelites. Okay, so sometimes when, um, uh, when we, we see the word judges, we have this idea that, you know, it's like the, the judge in the courtroom. Grace, no. Uh, so judges basically is a national uh, leader that God uh, raised, okay, basically to help to lead the country. Okay, and um, uh, these judges are usually uh, tribal leaders who are able to command uh, the respect or to consolidate all the, the various tribal heads together uh, and make some major decision. And usually the, the Spirit of the Lord will empower these judges to do their job, okay, to perform their duty. Okay, uh, so it's not like a courtroom judge. And we begin to see this uh, whole cycle, okay, the, uh, repeating in the book of Judges. So the cycle is, uh, they sin, then they get oppressed by the enemy, okay, um, then they repent, they cry, and then God will raise a judge to help them to, uh, to conquer the enemy and bring deliverance. Then they'll experience a period of peace. Okay? But soon after that, they will sin again. Okay? Familiar on this cycle? Familiar? Do you see it in your own life? <laughs> Have uh, God give us a mission or... Uh, we uh, to conquer the land, but you know, we got sidetracked to other pleasures of the world because we are not so excited about God's mission. Okay, we do our own things, or, or maybe you know you get promoted while your life is good. You have kids, nice house, everything, so you enjoy a period of peace, right? Then uh, because so busy, uh, no time to come to church, no time to go to cell group. After a while. From missing church once a month to well, two months, three months, huh? to one year, we'll never see you, especially with the help of COVID. It helps, right? I'm online, I'm online, but actually, maybe not. So you, uh, you, you move away for some time uh, because God has blessed your life. You enjoy peace. Wow, God is prospering me. And then you think that, wow, I made it on my own. I'm successful, I made it on my own. And then you drift away from God. Okay, you don't need to uh, do some great sin, uh, just drift away. So the idol become what? Yourself, ah. your career, your family, your work. Uh, and then you drift away. And uh, usually you don't come back on. Ah. Unless what? What happened? Something must happen. Ah. <laughs> Which is in this case oppression. Okay, good thing we are not conquered by some enemy forces. Ah. But oppression is any crisis, ah, any tragedy. Uh, it could be, oh, suddenly... Uh, you have cancer. Or oh, suddenly your, there's something problem with your child. Something happened to your child. You know? Maybe your marriage on the rocks. Okay, maybe you're retrenched from your job. Then what happened? 
When all these things happen, what happens? What will you do normally? You will begin to pray. La. You haven't prayed for one year, but it's time to pray, right? <laughs> because, wow, nobody can help you. So you pray. Say, God, wow, if you deliver me this time, I will come back to church. I will serve you. I will have not. Okay? And then, wow, God delivered you. Wow, hallelujah. So you come back, you testify. But after a while, we all go through this cycle, right? Uh, people always say, oh, I, stay, I feel very far away from God, blah, blah, blah. Okay? So, not just the Israelite, uh, but it happens in our own life. Quite normal, quite natural. Uh, but you must ask, uh, why must wait for tragedy to happen then come back? Very sad, right? For, I mean, for tragedy to happen then come back. Why can't you always stay with God? You see, don't, don't wait for this pattern. Uh. If you see this pattern, I've uh, got alarm bell. Uh. So let me uh, hijack the cycle first. Don't, uh, don't wait for tragedy, okay? Just stay with God. No point, uh, I mean, going through a cycle. How many times do you want to go through a cycle? So the nation of Israel actually went through uh, at least, at least 13 major and minor judges. So they went through at least 13 cycles. I think some is not recorded. So if you look at this chart, uh, these are all the judges uh, that happened in the book of uh, Judges. Uh, Abimelech is not mentioned here because maybe he's, uh, he's such a terrible judge, they don't even want to put his name here. So it's a 12 plus one. <laughs> okay, he's the one of the worst judge. Okay, so they, they went through 13 cycles. Okay, uh, so if you notice, they get oppressed for a few years and then God gives them rest. Uh, some 40 years. Those who are good, uh, what, 80 years, 40 years. Okay. Before they start their nonsense again. Uh. <laughs> so altogether about 400 years. Okay. So we, we see this cycle happening uh, in their own lives. Uh, there are minor judges that you may not know the name, but it's in the Bible. There are major judges that has been uh, talked about. So actually it's quite familiar. Uh, it, it, it is a cycle that happens in our own life. We always wait for bad things to happen before we uh, cry out to God. And uh, God is so merciful because whenever they cry out to God, somehow, somewhere, God began to raise up this national deliverer. Okay? God is so good. Like, wow. Cry and pray. Oh God, send a leader. And then eventually, a leader will arise to deliver them. In fact, uh, uh, the judges are coming from different regions. So he raised up uh, judges from different regions, uh, quite fair, quite well distributed, uh, and their area of influence is different. Uh. So he takes leaders from everywhere, uh, he calls them, and they begin to deliver the nation of Israel. Okay? Uh, so, so God hears our prayer. You know, uh, no matter how far we are from God, no matter how bad we have strayed from Him, uh, we, when we cry out to Him, there's always a provision. God will change circumstances so that we can come back to Him. Okay? Um, when we do that, God is merciful and gracious and He will do that for us. Okay? But don't wait for that to happen. Uh, it's very sad if we have to go through the same cycle as the Israelites. Uh, and a good reminder is uh, from C.S. Lewis, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. When we're having a good time, we usually don't hear from God. He speaks to us in our conscience, but He shouts in our pain. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Okay? Sometimes God has to use pain uh, to wake us up, to, to bring us to our senses, and bring Him back to Himself. But don't, don't wait for that to happen. Uh, don't wait for the cycle. Begin to draw near to God because God promised that when we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. Alright? Second thing we can learn from the book of Judges is no matter how flawed we are, God can still use us to fulfill His purposes. No matter how flawed we are, God can still use us to fulfill His purposes. So if you read the book of Judges, uh, the first few Judges are actually quite good. 
uh, you don't hear anything negative about them. For example, Otnir. Okay, Otnir is the first judge. He drove up the uh, Mesopotamians. Okay, uh, we hear of Ehud, the next judge that was raised up. He's a very brave warrior. Okay, so he basically took uh, a sword and he assassinated a very fat Moabite king. Okay, and after that, they conquered the Moabite enemies. Ah, then this is the best news because, praise God, there is a female. Okay, there's a female. So in case some of you, uh, you know, don't believe in God because God never used female. Uh, this is a great example where God raised up a female. And uh, you can use Deborah or his excellent name. Uh, she's one of the best judge of Israel. Okay, uh, in fact, he asked a guy to lead, a guy don't want to lead, so she lead. Okay, so eh, guys, you know, you have to step up. All right, uh, you know, when God no choice, oh, I, 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 the guy the one, okay. So God, God uses female. Don't say God don't use female. This is an excellent example. She was, uh, she was such a good uh, female judge, okay, and um, she's also a prophetess, okay. She's able to prophesy and sing songs of worship to God, uh, and he drove out the Canaanites, okay. So God is fair. God uh, is not sexist. He uses... Uh, female as well, alright? God can use you no matter who you are. Uh, but as the time goes on, as the nation fell in deterioration, we find that the judges' quality begin to drop. Okay? Maybe there's not, not enough good people to select from. Uh, and, and the judges were just getting from bad to worse. Okay, so the flawed judge, uh, if we can uh, begin to see, people like Gideon. Uh, Gideon is not too bad. You know, he uh, got cut down all the forces uh, until 300. Okay, that's where you get the, the movie 300. <laughs> okay, 300, okay, to conquer the enemy, uh, thousands, okay. Uh, he did so well, okay, he was quite a scary cat, but he, he used 300 to conquer the enemies. But near the end of his life, actually, he, he made a golden ephod. Ephod is like a religious garment, okay, and uh, he made that, and, uh, and because he made that, the Israelites began to worship the golden ephod, okay? So he didn't really end well. Okay, then we have um, Abimelech. Okay, Abimelech uh, uh, is one of the worst judge. Okay, he, when he came to power, he killed all the 70 males of his relatives and family. Make sure nobody can succeed. He killed all of them. Uh, so of course, God also never let him judge for long. Uh, three years and he, time's up. His own household killed him, okay? Uh, then we have uh, Jephthah. Jephthah, uh, okay, uh, he also started well. He, he conquered the Ammonites. But because he was not close to God, his discernment was off. Uh, he said, oh, because you help me conquer, anybody who walked through that door, okay, or any animal, I'm going to sacrifice to you. Okay? And sway. His daughter went and walked through the, the door. Then because he made this kind of oath, uh, nobody asked him to make uh, his own self. Too clever already. Then, oh, he said, oh, cannot, no choice. I made the oath. I'm going to sacrifice my daughter. So child sacrifice is what the pagan nations do. And it's an abomination to the Lord. And he don't know. He just, oh, okay, I will sacrifice my daughter. So he actually sacrificed his own daughter. Okay? And of course, the last judge. Back to words, huh? Last judge is what? Samson. Now, we all know Samson, right? The Hercules of the Bible. Wow, strong guy, you know. Uh, so, so he from birth, he has the calling of a Nazarite. Nazarite means cannot drink alcohol, cannot touch dead body, cannot cut hair. Okay? So these three, he never fulfilled at all. Uh. He drink, he go and touch the carcass of a lion, and then of course, he cut his hair. Uh. So he is a womanizer. Okay? He, his parents say, don't go and marry uh, people from pagan wife. Don't care, marry don't know how many, okay? Wow, see, you like already, Mary, okay? And the final uh, one that was his downfall is Delilah, okay? Delilah, or, you know, uh, the Philistine wanted to kill him, said, hey, what's the secret? So Delilah actually asked Samson, how come you're so strong? How to take away your strength? Can you tell me or not? So actually, Samson told her three times, a liar, okay? And the Philistine come in, then realized, hey, Samson's still strong, eh? You know, uh, Delilah, why you bluff us? Why you bluff us? So Samson experienced Delilah betraying him for three times. 
Or still never learn? Or? Fourth time, still go and listen. Oh, yeah, then go and tell his eventual secret, which is his hair. Lah. So they cut his hair and they capture him. Wow. So he is like, he really, his judgment of character really, really bad. Okay? His uh, uh, Delilah make him lose his strength. Okay? But the amazing thing is that, um, why did God use all this flawed judge? Ah? Amazing, right? Wow, all these flawed judges are ah, really Israelite got so terrible, uh, full of people that you cannot even select a good one. Okay, maybe, maybe. Uh, but, but it begins to tell us that a lot of times leaders themselves they are flawed. Ah. I'm flawed. Everybody's flawed. We have our own flaws, but yet God chooses to use us. Okay, uh, as we read the story, we are encouraged also. Uh, and, and God's anointing can rest on flawed leaders, ah, by the way. We can lead for a while. Okay, but our sin will catch up with us. Okay, if you try and do that, God's judgment will come eventually. But God can use anointed but flawed judges. He can use us also who are flawed. So we give thanks that we don't have to be perfect for God to use us. And by His grace, He can actually, uh, despite our failures and weaknesses, uh, he can use us mightily. His grace abounds. Because we see at the end of Samson's life what happened to him. So Samson was bound. His eyes was gorged out. Okay? The Philistines bound him. But he made this prayer at the end of his life. He says, Samson called to the Lord and says, Oh Lord God, please remember me. Please strengthen me this, only this once, Oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grabs the two pillars on which the house rested. He leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one and the left hand on another. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the lords and all upon the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death was more than those whom he had killed during his life. So you see the grace of God here. Actually, God don't have to use him again. Okay, don't have to. He failed. He's a terrible leader. He's a rebel. He's a womanizer. God doesn't need to use him. But we see the grace of God here that at the end of Samson's life, God still honored his prayer. God still used him. And he, God even said, okay, at the end of his life, actually he killed more people through this single act. So we can see the grace of God upon our lives. Many a times, in spite of who we are, despite of our weaknesses, God can still use us. God chooses to use us. And this is our encouragement because we are not able, but Christ is able. Uh, we are able to just... Uh, our, 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 His strength is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is sufficient for us. So when we serve, we may feel inadequate. When we serve, we may feel we are not good enough. But know this, God will call you, God will choose you, you just need to say yes. He will equip the call. So that's the second thing we learn from the book of Judges. The last thing we learn from the book of Judges is no matter how hard we try, God is the better king over our lives. No matter how hard we try, God is the better king. So Samson is the last judge. Okay? So in uh, chapter 16, Samson is the last judge. And beginning from chapter 17 to 21, uh, there are these two bookends. Okay? There are two bookends from 17 to 21. The bookends are these. Uh, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Okay? So these are the two bookends. And this is the period where there is no judge. Okay? No judge. Uh, and and uh, it began to record one of the darkest period in the history of the Israelites because there is no king. Uh, because God is also preparing a new system of kings that's coming up. So he basically wants to show them that on your own, right, if you go and do it on your own, right, you will, be, you will lead a very decadent and a, a very dark life if you try to go it on your own. So in 17 to 21, uh, God began to highlight two stories to show the depravity of the Israelites. The first story uh, highlighted is this person called Mikhail. Mikhail, uh, he's an uh, Israelite, 
you know, um, uh, is he began to show the first story, story of Micah. Uh, when you read it, actually, it's quite shocking, even for today's standard. Okay, you'll be quite shocked. Uh, if they can put into a net, Netflix show, I think it'll be quite uh, visual. Okay, so Micah, he's, uh, he's an Israelite. Okay, he steals, he steals 1,000 silver from his mother. Okay, 1,000 silver from my mother. We don't tell her, uh, lie about it. And then the mother finds out. Uh, he confessed. Oh, yeah, I steal your $1,000. Then you know what the mother do? Uh? Israelite mama. Said, wow, thank God my son returned the money to me. Even though the, the son stole from her. I'm going to take 200 of the 1,000, going to make a household God. Then we can worship the household God. Give thanks. I dedicate 200. Build a golden household God. Well, that's the kind of uh, level of... Uh, uh, they, they drift so far from the standard of God, they don't even know they are wrong. So they built a household god, and then uh, this Micah guy, wow, he found a Levite. Okay, Levites are supposed to only serve in the temple of God. Okay, a roaming Levite, because this Levite, uh, the temple probably shut down, there's no job for this Levite. This is a Levite walking around, you know. He said, wow, Micah said, I found a Levite. Hey, why don't I employ you? My personal priest. Oh, so he set up a temple in his own house. Oh. Wow, he paid this guy, he put effort, he, he wow, worship this idol thing. Then he tell the Levite, hey, make sure I prosper, okay? You want to pray to your God, make sure I prosper. Wow, so his house become a own temple, you know, wow, solid. So he was uh, so happy. <laughs> okay, then uh, the, the, the tribe of Dan came down. Uh, uh, Dan, Dan also didn't conquer their own land, so they were looking for a place to conquer. So the five of the Dan people came to his house and saw, wow, wow this guy got his own Levite, own God. Wow, good, huh? So they begin to ask this, uh, this Levite, hey, pray for us, whether we should conquer this land. They are not assigned to this land, but... They, they look quite peace-loving. We'll conquer this land. Please ask God for, for us. Okay, so he said, go, go and conquer. So they managed to conquer. So on the way back, they, they told the Levite, hey, leave this guy. Lah. Leave this Mikah. Come and join us. Be uh, the priest of the Dan tribe. Okay, so he took Mikah's household god, took the, the Levite and ciao. Of course, Mikah went after them, but because they got more people, so Mikah, okay, okay, okay. You take, you take. So they set up, the Dan tribe set up a their own idolatry with this, with this Levite guy. Okay, so the decadence of the priestly system just went down the drain. Okay, second story, even more dramatic, more uh, terrible, super RA, okay, is, uh, <laughs> uh, is again a Levite. Why Levite? Because it's a religious leader, but the religious leader also, wow, the standard go down the drain. So there's this Levite, okay, he has a concubine, right? not even his wife. He has a concubine, the concubine, they have a quarrel, the concubine leave to homeland, so the Levite go back to the homeland, persuade the concubine to come back. So as he was there, uh, spending his time uh, at the, at the Levite, uh, concubine's home, uh, they begin to travel back. Okay, but because he was late, they go stay at this old man's house. Okay, this old man's house. Uh, the old man accepted them to stay in the house. Okay, uh, and in the middle of the night, people are banging on this old man's house. Boom, boom, boom. You know what they're asking? Hey, old man, we saw uh, that this uh, Levite uh, guy uh, come to our house. Hey, bring him out, bring him out. We're going to have sex with him. Whoa. This is Israelite town. Okay, they wanted the guy. Okay, the man wanted the guy. Uh, so the Levite uh, and the old man say, hey, don't, uh, don't do this, uh, evil thing. You know what they do? They go kick the concubine out. Hey, have her, have her. Wow, they sacrifice the concubine. Eh? Very smart. So in the morning, they open the door, well, I realize, wow, the concubine died uh, of being raped. You know? So uh, uh, they say, wow, how can they do this? So the Levite, wow, very righteous. He go cut her up into 12 pieces. Wow, cut her up, serious. Uh, last time got cutting out already. Uh, mutu curry already. Okay, so he sent he send the 12 pieces to the 12 tribe. He said, oh, he received one piece. Uh, imagine he received one piece of, of meat. Uh. Hey, what is this, yeah? So he said, the Levite was very self-righteous. He said, you see, see what the, the, the tribe of Benjamin did to this lady, to my concubine. Well, then the tribe of uh, Israel began to wow, feel self-righteous. Well, we must make justice. Lah. You know, we cannot let this happen lah, in Israel. We cannot. So they confronted the, the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin said, no, no, we're not going to hand over this, the people who raped her. No way. They didn't do it. Wow. Blatant, you know, lying. No, they didn't do it. So the, the, the other tribes, the 11 tribes, begin to say, okay, we need to punish 
the tribe of Benjamin because they are not repentant. So they conquer, they fight the tribe of Benjamin until they were very few in numbers. Okay, the, uh, uh, left very few. Okay. Uh, they, they managed to win uh, the, uh, because the Benjamins are actually very good slingers. Okay, so they killed many of them. A big civil war happened. Many died on both sides. So they left a small group of Benjamites and the, the 11 tribes swear to God because of what, Benjamin died, died, um, what the Benjamites died uh, did, they are not going to give their wives or their, their girls or their female to the tribe of Benjamin. So they made an oath uh, in, in pals, Okay, So then later on they think, wow, if the tribe of Benjamin got no more wife, uh, what's going to happen to the tribe? Uh? It will die off, right? Then they begin to regret, oh yeah, you shouldn't have made that oath. Uh. Wrong move. You know what they do? What did they do? <laughs> you all never read this part, right? Because uh, they say, ah yeah, we just go and uh, that, that town there, uh, we go and kill all the guys uh, and all the mothers, uh, all the non virgin, we go and kill off. Then the virgin there, right? Uh, ben, Benjamin. Go and take whoever you want. What they, what? What like that? Oh. Is this better than a Netflix show, right? But it's real, it's real. Wow, it's, wow, the decadence is like, wow. So God is trying to show them, hey, if there is no king in your life, okay, the natural pathway is that you will slide into decadence. You will slide into debauchery. Okay? Uh, yeah, you try to lead your own life. You try to be king over your own life. Cannot make it one. Ah. You will go down the drain one. If you abandon me, you abandon God, you will go down the drain. And there's already uh, in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, it already prophesies uh, that in the last days, it says what? In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money. They'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. So they will prophesy that the world is getting from bad to worse. Okay? Uh, and, and we see it happening. We must notice the trends of the world going into liberalism. Uh, we see in the United States, uh, in just two years, the death from drug overdose increased sixfold from 1999 to 2021. So there's a drug epidemic uh, in the US because people are just hopeless, people are just committing suicide, gun violence, taking drugs. Okay? So uh, it's, it's gone down. Uh, we see uh, the first Asian country to legalize gay marriage uh, in uh, 2019. So today in Taiwan, people, uh, same-sex, are already raising children. Okay, so they'll go U.S., get inseminated, surrogate, come back. They're already raising children in same-sex family. So we always think, wow, Chinese are very conservative, right? The Western liberalism will never come to our shores. But no, it is already here. It is in our shores and will soon hit uh, our shores already. Uh, if you talk to any young people, uh, they will say there's nothing wrong with this lifestyle. Nothing wrong, absolutely nothing wrong. Uh, and we begin to see uh, that religion in Singapore uh, is already dropping. So in just the last 10 years, uh, we have the number of e-religious has risen from 17% to 20%. Okay? A majority of these are Chinese. Uh, and, and young people, they begin to abandon uh, the faith, begin to abandon any form of religion. So we're going to see all these patterns uh, in the world, and we have, to, uh, we have to spot all these trends, because we are living in the last days. Uh, and then we begin to ask, okay, uh, what's, uh, how to reverse this? How do we stop the tide or slow down the tide? How do we prevent our children, our grandchildren, uh, from, from sliding into this? What's the formula? Is there a way? So in the same uh, book, Second Timothy, he gives us the answer. In uh, chapter 3, verse 12, begin, he gives us the answer. He says, 
how do we stop the last days uh, trend happening? It says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we will be persecuted in the last days. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learn. And from, and from your childhood, you have been acquainted with sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for re reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. So the only way to reverse the trend is we need to renew our minds and not conform to the world. Renew our mind with the Word of God. If not, there is no way. Uh, on average, a person spends 2.5 hours on social media. Okay, YouTube, whatever. Huh? But how much per day spend on the Word of God? So is there a way to reverse the programming? If we don't even read the Word of God for ourselves, there's no way. We're losing the battle. Okay, we're losing the battle. Uh, and we need to allow the Word of God to speak to us, to know uh, and identify and discern the ways of the world. Uh, I invite the worship team to come forward. And even for myself, uh, during my two years in NS, uh, you know, Every, almost every single weekend, I will, uh, I will book out from NS, I will be in the, in the pubs, uh, okay, with my two Christian friends. Uh, we go to the same church, Christian friends. Um, we will, for two years, almost two years, we tried a good life, we will try drinking, everything. I even tried smoking, you know. So, but at the end of the two years, I find that, wow, I, I felt empty. You know, the world, couldn't, the world couldn't give me what I was looking for. So I tried it. And it was making me worse. It, I, I felt empty. So near the end of my NS, I on my 21st birthday, I prayed to God, God, I want to see your face. So that's when my, I gave my life to God and, and my trajectory changed. So I had two friends. Uh, the other, one friend, uh, you know, he, he, he's okay. He went on to... Uh, continue in his faith in covenant but I have another friend you know he's the one who brought me to, to the church but my this friend you know um, he's the most handsome tallest he get all the girls uh, this friend couldn't stop you know uh, from being a Christian that brought me to church uh, he he backslided uh, he became a chain smoker he divorced from his his wife and, and he went on a different trajectory so, so the thing is, um, when we try to be the king of our own lives, you know, uh, there's no way. We cannot lead our life properly and, and it will be a train wreck. It will be a shipwreck. So it's very important for us to come back to say the, li the life that the world gives us is always empty at the end of the day. And the life that God gives us is always satisfying. So this morning, no matter how far you are away from God, I was very, very far away from God. As long as you turn to Him, okay, God will answer you. God will meet you. In fact, there are many in this congregation whom you feel, I'm very dry in my Christian life. I'm very far away from God. But this morning, the Lord wants to say to you, no matter how far you are, if you cry out to me, I will come and satisfy your deepest longings. And there may be some people in this congregation who say, I, I, I don't feel I can uh, serve you because I'm flawed. You don't know my past. Uh, I have so many inadequacies, insecurities. I cannot serve you, Lord. But the Lord says to you this morning, I can use even flawed people for His purpose. So even as we sing this song, uh, begin to surrender your life to God and say, Lord, 
come and be the king over my life because what you give is infinitely more satisfying than what the world can give which leads to brokenness and emptiness and help me to surrender my life once again to you help me to draw close to you once again let's arise and begin to just worship God wherever you are and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us to anoint us and power us for His purpose Hallelujah Lord Hallelujah I want to pray for two groups of people if uh, this morning you feel you know you, you feel far away from God you feel dry uh, and, and you want to come back to the Lord I want to pray for you if this morning you feel that you are flawed you are inadequate to, to serve God and His purposes uh, I also want to pray for you uh, that we begin to surrender our lives back to God and say, Lord, be the king over our life. If you have been the king over your own life for some time and this morning you say, Lord, I want to exhort you as king over your life. Uh, just raise your hands wherever you are as I pray for you, as you rededicate your life to God. I want to just pray for you. Just raise your hands wherever you are. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, you see those hands. Father, we give thanks that you left the 99 to go for the one prodigal son, prodigal child, Lord. We give thanks that we are never too far away from you for you to draw us back to yourself. So fill your people, those who are dry, those who feel far away, with your sweet presence once again. We claim on your word that says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Fill your people once again with your love. Father, I pray for those who want to serve you but they feel they are inadequate, they are flawed, their path is hindering them, their sin is hindering them, O Lord. But I give thanks that if you can use someone like Samson, you can use any one of us. So we surrender our lives back to you. We give thanks that your strength is made perfect in our weakness and your grace is sufficient for us. So we surrender our lives to you and say, Lord, come and be the King over our lives because we always mess up when we are our own king or not. Help us to do what is right, not in our own eyes, but what is right in your eyes, O Lord. Teach us, tutor us, disciple us to always follow your ways, O Lord. Help us not to be like the Israelite that go through the cycle of sin when pain comes, O Lord. Help us to seek you today and forevermore. Help us to follow you because you can fill our lives with joy, with peace, and with purpose, O Lord. So we commit ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves as that living sacrifice because you died for us, O Lord. So we pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this series. We hope that you are blessed. If you would like to go deeper with us, head over to our website at maranatha.sg for more information.